that, shall we? If you're sitting comfortable, there, there are old British, for many, many years, a British radio show that would tell stories, and it would always start with, are you sitting comfortably? Then I'll begin. And I'm glad you're sitting comfortably because you're, you're hurtling through space at an insane rate. Speed is relative. You only notice speed whenever you change speed. Uh, that's like when you're in an airplane, you're not the whole time going, ah, but, well, and if you're a panicky sort, but you don't feel the speed unless you change speed or change altitude or attitude. Attitude meaning the way that the plane is pointed. However, while sitting in your chair, you're still moving at about 1,700 kilometers per hour. If you're American, chop that, times that by 0.66 and you're close. Uh, so you're, you're about 1,400 miles per hour. At the equator, we're not quite at the equator, so you can bleed a few of those off there. But you're hurtling around like this. But that's not all that you're doing. If you're thinking that's pretty fast, you are pretty fast. But you're also orbiting the sun while you're spinning like this. And that's even faster. That's more like 30 kilometers a second. But there's more. The, you're doing this around the sun, but the sun is also looping around our galaxy, and as it does, it circles at the rate of 210 kilometers per second. Oh, it goes faster, because our entire galaxy is moving toward another galaxy called Andromeda. Don't pack, get ready greeting cards, it's going to take a while. But we're moving there at a prodigious rate. In fact, if you add it all up, because Andromeda is also moving to another and so we're moving to one that's moving to one. You put it all together, as far as we can tell at this particular time, and I'll put it in miles for you, you're moving while sitting in that chair 800 million miles a second. Now, somebody once uh, did the, the little math, and they said, but wait a minute, that's faster than the speed of light. I thought that's impossible. No, you're, uh, the speed of light is linear. Uh, we are talking the cumulative speed. It's different. And if we were, um, don't worry, because if you ever go the speed of light, you become light. It's, I, I can explain it later. Now, on top of that, this week, some of you uh, heard and just ignored uh, that we found gravitational waves. And you might have been going, and how does that affect the way that I buy milk? And it really doesn't, but it's super exciting, and I'll explain that another time. The point is this. The earth is just a little part a very, very big thing. And a lot of atheists have actually made a huge leap. They say, well, if the earth is not the center of the universe, and it most certainly is not, it's not the center of anything, well, then there is no God. That's a big leap. I mean, that's, you're, you're going to have to make an awful lot of assumptions in between here and there. It is true that once upon a time, there were church people who taught that the earth was the center of the universe. But they didn't get that from scripture. They didn't get that from God. Let me give you a little thought picture to help you with this. Every so often, you launch a boat, a ship. It's a very exciting thing. And every so often, you've got to bring it back in and hoist it out of the water and clear all the barnacles off of it. Because over time, barnacles attach to the ship. Never confuse the barnacles with the ship. Just because some church people have said the earth was the center of the universe doesn't mean God said it. Therefore, I'm not worried that the earth is not the center of our universe. We're not grounded by the idea of the centrality of earth. We're grounded and given meaning by the centrality of Jesus. 
It's a very different thing. Jean-Paul Sartre said, no, no finite point has any meaning unless it is attached to an infinite point, an infinite reference point. That's why all of your thermometers, whether they're digital or whether they're the analog with the, the little red uh, or the mercury in it, all are matched to a scale of absolute zero. You've got to have a point, an infinite reference point for it to matter. A meter, for example. How long is a meter? Well, if you ever are in doubt, you can go look at it because we have a meter in a, um, a place of protected in France. It has, that's the meter. All meters are linked to this. Years ago, uh, I, I do a lot of the medical stuff, and so they, the Ohio State said, we lost a teacher when it comes to ethics, and we need you, if you would, uh, we're gonna offer you this much money to come and teach just four hours on ethics. And it was a lot of money, but I said, you, I can't teach ethics without referencing God and my faith. And I know that that's, uh, you don't want me to do that. And they said, no, no, can't you find a way around it? And they even, they ended up doubling and even a bit more the amount of money. And it was a lot of money. But I said, I can't teach ethics without a finite, infinite lockdown point. Because how, what am I going to hang my ethics on? If I don't have something with which to compare it. If that's confusing you a bit, let's, uh, Joe, uh, John Sianka tells the story of a young man whose two major goals in life were to become an EMT and to marry a girl he loved named Cindy. When he found out he couldn't become an EMT and he found out Cindy was dating another man, he committed suicide. He picked his centers, his reference points, EMT and Cindy, but he'd picked the wrong ones. He'd picked temporal ones, and he shipwrecked his life. What is your point? What is your absolute central point? Here is our center out of the book of Colossians. We're preaching through the Bible, and we're in Colossians today. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. That's why, by the way, the universe, while spreading and spinning and going, uh, looks like chaos is not in chaos. It's being held together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. As Trace brought up today, that thankfulness, overflow with it because you're rooted in the right place. Now, we've set it up. That's our Christology. That's our belief of Jesus Christ. Let's step back a little bit and look at Colossae, the, where, where the book of Colossians was written to. It's rather strange 
that Paul would pay attention to that town because it was a used-to-be town. You know what I mean by that? You drive through in some towns and most things are boarded up and you're wondering, what happened here? This used to be something, but it's not anymore. What happened here? Colossae was a used-to-be town. It used to be important, but it had not been an important place for nearly 300 years. It was 100 miles um, east, yeah, east of Ephesus in Turkey, and it didn't have much going on. But the problem was, you had a church in Colossae that was getting new teaching, and the new teaching wasn't good teaching. It was a Jesus and teaching. Let me warn you, church. Any church, any teaching, which is Jesus and, should set off alarm bells immediately. With Colossae, if we read through, it was Jesus and we need to bring some of the old Jewish customs back in and some of the Old Testament laws back in. Others uh, that were teaching didn't have anything to do with that. They were Jesus and this new mystery religion that would later be, be called Gnosticism, where we talk about angels and we talk about the way that uh, you know, they, they created the world and there was this war and you have to have a special knowledge, secrets in the Bible, things that we still see today with New Age Gnosticism, but also with Christian Gnosticism, where they act like they found something in the Bible that was hidden in a code. There's nothing hidden. There's no code. It was written for us, but it was not written to us. We just have to go and figure out what did they hear that received this and go from there. Others taught the body was evil, so it was Jesus and punish your body. Others taught the body could do whatever it wanted to, so Jesus and complete freedom. We have to, we're centered in Jesus, not Jesus and anything else. But isn't it easy to get locked into Jesus and our tradition? Jesus and our preferences? Jesus and the way we like to do things? Jesus and our comfort? This doesn't happen here, and I'm so grateful, but I've been to churches before where for the first few years after I get there, people will come up to me and they'll say, now what happened in church today made me feel uncomfortable? And I'll look at them every time and say, and what makes you think your comfort was our goal? Because it isn't. Comfort is not the goal here. Being centered in Jesus is the goal. Paul wrote Colossians to give them a central, infinite point to give their life stability, meaning, direction. And that point was Jesus. No codes, no hidden bits. I used the, you're, You'll see how old this is here in the bit. I used to have a framework in my head when I came back to faith, reading scripture, saying I'm going to deal with this honestly, I called myself, I, I rather called it the Yugoslavian Goat Herd School of Theology. There is no Yugoslavia anymore. That's how old this is. The point was this. If this Bible fell out of the sky at the foot of a Yugoslavian goat herd in his own language, and he had no other points of reference, but he read this, would he get out of it what I'm trying to put in it? And all of a sudden, all these arguments about, we well, have to worship in exactly this way, and you have to act like this, and you have to do that, all that goes away. Because that's all cultural barnacles on the ship. 
It's not the ship. And we need to re recognize the difference. Jesus is God's son. He is the object of the Christian faith. And Paul makes that very plain in chapter 1, did he not? But he is not done. Any theology or any mystery that removes Jesus as the absolute center, as the absolute meaning of our faith, endangers our souls and threatens to spin us out of balance and out of orbit and crash our life. I can remember years and years ago going to see the movie, Oh God. Now, it wasn't a big movie. It wasn't a good movie. It wasn't a hit movie, so you've probably not seen it. But John Denver, a singer, was going to be in it, and George Burns, a comedian. And I thought, well, I'll go see it. It's one of the few movies I've gone to see and walked out of. Not because of anything, uh, you know, sexual or violence or the language there, but because the God figure explains to John Denver, yes, Jesus was my son, but Buddha was my son, and Confucius removes the center. Allows anybody to be God. I can remember taking my daughter when she was a wee girl to see Disney movie because that's evidently the law. So I went and uh, it was Pocahontas and I kept thinking in my head, this isn't history. This isn't history. They're butchering the story. It's a good story. What are they doing to it? And then she starts singing about every tree and every rock and every river has a name and has a spirit. And I'm going, really? Pocahontas was a Christian dedicated to Christ, died in England, by the way, uh, a faithful member of a church there that has a plaque up. They removed the center of who she was and what she believed. They took away Jesus. How many people have you known that have lost Jesus as they defended their faith with anger, red faces, yelling, attacking, dividing they threw away Jesus to protect Jesus' hand. In chapter 1, Jesus is the Redeemer, the image of God, the Lord of creation, the head of the church. Let's look at it again. Chapter 1, I have become its servant by, its, by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. Remember, John chapter 1 says the word of God is Jesus. The mystery Oh, you want to look for a mystery? Here it is. It's been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people, to them. God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles, everybody, the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's the only mystery you need to know. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. No other angels made the world. No other myths need apply. He is the head of the church. No other people need to apply. He is the one who can reconcile the universe to God because he is the express image of God. Chapter 2, verse 9, for in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. Now, why would we stress this? Well, some of us grew up to believe that there's God the Father, there's Jesus Christ, and then there's us. We ignored the Holy Spirit. Don't mention him. 
But Jesus, God wants to kill us because we've sinned. But Jesus is basically saying, no, no, dad, 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 please don't let him be okay. It's all right. No, 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 no. Look at Jesus. I dare you. Read the, read the Gospels over and over again for six months and see what happens to you. Read and hear his voice and then realize that's what God looks like, sounds like, acts like, and feels. Here's the great mystery. They're all on our side. That's the great mystery. They love you and they like you. They do. I'm love. We can prove that with the sacrifice of Christ and all the other. Like, look at what they made. I brought this up before. God could have made the animal and the plant. The animal eats the plant. We eat the animal. He's done Monday morning, 10 o'clock-ish. But instead, he made all kinds of variety and beauty because he likes us. And he lets us have stuff because he likes us. It's a mystery. I am... Um, will confess that there are many times I'll look over at my wife and wonder, why did she marry me? Why is she still here? And she's American. She owns a gun. We've been married for 37 years. If she'd shot me, she'd been free for a dozen years by now. It's a mystery, but I enjoy it. What's the mystery? It is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Chapter 2, verse 10. In you, and in Christ, rather, you have been brought. Now, take a look. I mean, we don't sound the same all the time, but we all agree that is in the past tense. You have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. We'll get back to that right before we close. So that'll be your signal of hope. If you want a mystery, here's a mystery. God loves you. Jesus loves you. You don't need any other mysteries. Chapter 2, verse 3. If you have a teaching, according to chapter 2, any teaching, measure it by Jesus before you accept it or give it to anyone else. Chapter 2, verse 8. That's why we don't protest. That's why... We don't yell angry words at other churches. That's why we open our arms to everybody. Why? Because Jesus welcomed them. And every teaching has to go through the eyes of Jesus, the words of Jesus, the actions of Jesus. And that includes all of the rules, traditions, and other teachers the church has had in 2,000 years. You look at them through Jesus. You do not look at Jesus through them. He is the solid reference point, the infinite center. Paul gives us our central thought, a definition of who we are and what our center is in chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. Do we have those? Good. Since then, you have been, again, past tense, raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above. Get that point where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Stop just very briefly. Supreme Court justice died yesterday. That's going to cause all kinds of trouble. It's going to cause all kinds of yelling, fighting, 
media is going to go on a full court press here, and everybody wants to make you panic. You will panic if your central point is on earth. But if it's where Christ is, you're going to be fine. Seated at the right hand of God, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. He's your center. Because of that, we can abandon our sins, because sins are tied to the world. We don't need those anymore. We can drop them. Drop them by the side of the road as you walk towards your central point. In their place, we put on love, grace, peace, in the name of Jesus. Chapter 3 again, verses 12 through 17. Therefore, as God's chosen people, there's your mystery. Holy and dearly loved, there's your mystery. Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. That's what Christianity looks like. That's what Jesus' religion looks like. Bear with each other. Forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against anyone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on, oh, you knew it had to say it, love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Pop quiz, what is ruling in your heart this morning? Anger, confusion, fear, consumerism, anything earthbound? Or is it the peace of God, the peace of Christ? Since you are members of one body, you were called to peace and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through debates and anger and throwing, no, hang on, through psalms, hymns, songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to the God the Father through him. I'm going to read a couple more scriptures. You have to. Love is bound on you regardless of your circumstance. And he brings that up in chapter 4, verses 2 through 6. does this a lot. Uh, Peter does as well in his book, Second Peter. Devote yourself to prayer, being watchful, thankful. By the way, you are thankful if you're paying attention. It's those that don't pay attention that aren't thankful. Pay attention. We should be thankful. And pray for us, too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I'm in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Many of us wonder if we're good enough. Well, this, by, this takes care of that. Chapter 2, verses 9 through 10. For in Christ, remember, you're already there. You're, you're already, you've been brought to him. You've been brought to fullness. Now, I want you to think about fullness and what that means. It's not the same as maturity. When Kara, our daughter, was born in Govan, south of the River Clyde in Glasgow, 
at, at, uh, at a hospital there. You would like the name of the hospital. It's in, it's in Scotland, the west of Scotland, but since it's south of the Clyde, it was called Southern General. So she was Southerner. She was born there. I, I was not disappointed with her that she couldn't quote Shakespeare and that she didn't know any Gaelic at all, much less English. I wasn't disappointed that she couldn't catch a ball. In fact, I didn't even throw one at her. I was interested in how full and complete she was. You count the fingers and the toes. You count the eyes, make sure they're on the same side of the head, you know, that sort of thing. And you go, she's complete. Years later, I was under my car changing oil, which is the height of my mechanical ability. Cara was about four years old. She was fascinated. She's leaning over watching it. And she goes, you know, asking all kinds of questions. And I, I got tickled by it. And I said, do you want to grow up and change oil in cars? And she said, yes, I do. Well, I told somebody that story, thinking they'd think it was cute. They got angry at me. They say, Patrick, you got more degrees than a thermometer and your wife has all this other. And, you know, you, you want her to be the best she can be. Well, I'm a wee man. I'm not intimidating but I got real close to him. I looked at him and I said, she already is the best she can be because she's mine. Now, she may mature later. We're all hoping for that. But she's full now. And those of you that were born in the waters of baptism were born in Christ. When you came out of the waters, you were forgiven, and you are complete now. Do not wait. You don't need, if you're single, and you're wondering, why am I single? I don't know either. But I do know this. You don't need another person to complete you. You are completed. You are completed in him. Now, you may form bonds with others who are completed in him and have a wonderful life, or you might not form bonds, but you are still complete in him. For he is our reference point, not other relationships. When you came to Jesus, you were not shortchanged. You were made into somebody new, born again, and given all you need. I need to wrap this down. I get too excited about some of these points. Would you bring up your team, please, Mark? I'll ask you if you would please to stand. If you have not been baptized, I plead that you talk to one of our shepherds or members today because we want you to have the fullness in Christ that only comes by having him as the center of your universe. In him, Christians, we have come together. You might need to work on your maturity, but you never have to question your completeness. You never have to question where you stand in God's universe because while the earth is not the center of the universe, we are the center of his universe and he is the center of ours. While we may not understand where earth's place is as we careen through the universe at 800 million miles per second, we can be sure of this. There is a God and he loves us and we love him, and nothing else matters. Take Jesus with you.